0: to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. So good to see everybody. My name is Joe Bevilacqua. I'm the lead pastor. Welcome to a brand new series called Into the Future And I will tell you about this series, about thinking about even like launching a series that's creative, that has to do with even a movie that some of us grew up with. How many of y'all just think the 80s were a little bit better than... Yeah, I I understand. And and so we were laboring over that as a team, talking about the series that we wanted to bring to you. And we wanted to talk about vision, and we wanted to talk about what God was uh, uh, really calling the church to, but also to so many of us as individuals to... And it did coincide with a lot of Back to the Future themes. And I, I threw it out there as kind of like mud against the wall. And the team loved it, but I actually was kind of hard on it. I thought after the last two years, there were so many even prophetic voices that I love that they would say things like, you know, we can't go back to cute church. We can't go back to, to how things were. And, and, and I struggled with it. But I ultimately landed on this. We are not going back to cute church because this church has never been a soft message church. We bring hard truths, sometimes in really fun and funny ways. In fact, I sometimes make you laugh at times that are very convicting, I have heard. And and so in this series, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about uh, moving into the future. Our kids are going to be dressing up week by week in fun different ways But we're going to be bringing a very deep into the pool truth to all of you. So just a quick little question. Maybe you can get loud if you are. Uh, Are you with me on all of that? Is that something that we can do? Yeah. I think that we can have fun as a church. Uh, If you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Guys, here's what I know. Is that if you follow Jesus long enough, there will be seasons that you'll go through where there'll be some pruning. That's the Bible word for it. It's where God will begin to cut away things that are useless or that are are not allowing you to to be everything that he's called you to be. We need to let go of some things. And, And in many ways, it's letting go of people that offended us or even people that you have as a relationship in your life, but when you're around them, they pull you down or they pull you into a behavior that was like you were before Christ. We need to get rid of some of the influences that are holding us back, the things that aren't driving us toward our destiny and the title of this message is very apropos. Write it down. There are some things that we cannot go back to. There are some things that we have to give up. There are some things that we have to leave in the past. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Uh, Philippians chapter 3, this is what the Bible says, Philippians three thirteen. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, and this is key, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead. You know, when I, when I read that passage, I wish that it kind of worked like that. This is more of a 90s movie, but y'all remember Men in Black, that little stick that they put up there and they just flash you and you just forgot about everything, right? I wish it worked like that. I think a lot of people would take that little flash to the eyes if it meant that they could forget some things. But unfortunately, the scripture, when it's saying forgetting what is behind, it's not necessarily saying that you will have forgotten it, that you can no longer recall what happened. The, the word there in the original language of the Bible is the Greek word epilothonomy. And if you think you can say it better, you're wrong. But forgetting epilothonomy, it literally means to let go and epi there is to play, lothano is to be unaware, it is you consciously making a decision to not remember something any longer, not recite it in your heart over and over and over again, to not go there. It's not that you can't recall it. In fact, some of the things that you have gone through have shaped who you've become. You're not gonna be able to forget those things, but you don't have to remember them any longer. Can I hear an amen, church? It's kind of like uh, the windshield, and, and I love that on the platform we have my favorite car. It was, it was like destined to be on a stage I was preaching on at some point in my life. But it has a bigger windshield than it has a rear view mirror. Why? Because where God is taking you is so much more important than where you've been. Maybe the failure that you've experienced. Maybe the time that you fell or, or, or said something that was too much, or somebody said something to you that cut your future and what God has for you so much more. Psychiatrists uh, will tell us that your brain actually has two main storage areas when it's trying to recall energy and and memories and and different thoughts and feelings. And it's actually in two different areas of your brain, Uh, the one that holds positive memories, you know, the victories that you've had in the past, the accomplishments, the things that bring you joy, the victories, right? They're stored in one side of your brain. And on another side is the negative. It is the times that you have failed, the mistakes the hurts, bad things that have happened. And scientists and psychologists will tell you very clearly that the side that remembers all of the times you've messed up or the hurts is so much bigger in your brain physically than the part that's positive. And, and, and I ask the question, why? Why would it even be like that? We're, we're, we're born in such a state, I don't think it would naturally go that way. Well, you live in a fallen world. And so you're not going to think about the times where people have been generous to you or just like gave you a little Pentecostal handshake. Does anybody know what that is? It's where somebody gives you a handshake and there's money in it. That's a Pentecostal handshake. Like those are the best handshakes. And, and you're, you're going to forget that when somebody stole $20 from you. Does that make sense? Like when somebody steals something, you're not thinking about all the other blessings in your life. You're upset about that. I preach like, I don't know, 48, 50 sermons a year and and the two that I bomb, right? Like, I don't know. I'm not God's gift of communication, but like I get off and I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, whatever, we did it. But like I will remember the two that I bombed on. Like, why did I say that? Why, why did I put it that way? Like, sometimes I get off the platform I'm like, what was I even talking about? Like, I don't even know. That, I don't even know if the ship was gonna land. I don't know how we were gonna land that thing. And, and I'll, I'll remember that one but forget all the other times where you come up and be like, Pastor Joe, man, God really changed my life. And sometimes even despite how I feel, you'll come up and say those words. And so, But what happens? It's natural. It's human nature for us to remember those negative things and hold on to them. So some, some messages that I bring you are because I'm a shepherd, because there's a steady diet of what sheep need, and it's going to be straight out of God's word and wisdom. And today, yes. It's straight out of God's word. It's filled with wisdom, but it's a little different than than every other message. This is something I've experienced. This is something I've had to wade through. It's something that I've had to process in my heart and in my life, and I think from that deep well, it will really minister to so many of us in the room. Okay, if you're taking notes, pull something out, jot some of these points down. I have two things that you need to let go of and one thing that we need to do. Let's jump in. Number one. You need to let go of, write it down, disappointments. Write it down, you need to let go of that. We experience disappointments in our life. The times where it doesn't play out the way that you felt that it should have, uh, the times where there was like something that someone else said or did and it cut. I mean, some of the mentors that we had growing up, maybe a sibling, maybe a parent, some of those words from early on, you can be in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and be sourcing your life from words that some of those people are dead and gone, but you're sourcing your worth out of those things. Maybe it's a time that you messed up or went too far. God has more for you than just what's happened in the past. Can I hear an amen somebody? Isaiah 43, Scripture says this, Forget what happened yesterday. Do not cling to the past or dwell on what happened long ago. What does the Scripture say? Watch for the new thing that I am about to do. It's easy to cling to the past. That's why the Bible has to tell you, don't do that. I remember uh, hearing a story from Pastor Eric. He was a business owner, and his business was robbed at gunpoint. And God, through a miraculous series of events, turned that whole thing around. Pastor Eric, playing the role of Indiana Jones, seized the gun from the guy, whapped him over the head with the gun barrel, and beat the guy to a smithering. The Lord literally had to tell Pastor Eric to stop or you'll kill him. And held the guy down until the police came. But but in all of that, I remember hearing that story, and he would say, There's some times where I'll be driving down the road and it's a 55, but I look down, I'm going 70. Why? It's so easy to go back there and you relive it, don't you? It's in vivid color, some of the things that we've gone through, some of the tense moments of our life. But the Bible says that you have to forget those things and watch for that new thing. My dad, he was born in 1939. And so you can imagine how elated he was when Disney came out with Tarzan because he grew up on Tarzan black and white. I don't even know if I had sound. Come on, somebody. And, but he would talk about Tarzan swinging from the vines and encourage me to go out and play in the trees. When you're in the North Country, that's all you do. You play in the trees or the dirt. Those are the two toys we had. And, uh, and so I think about Tarzan. You have to let go of the vine that you're holding in order to go to the next one and swing past it. You have to let go of some things. And the disappointments that we hold on can hold you back. Write this down. You won't experience God's new thing when you're still holding on to the old. God has the new thing. He wants to show that in your life. He wants to bring that into vivid color. But when you're living and reliving and rehearsing what's happened in the past, what's happened in old seasons, that will hold you back. Can I hear an amen, church? It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Y'all just looking at that car like, how did he get it up there? L- listen, <laughs> trek with me. Trek with me. I'll share if you're a good boy. And, and so we, we have to let go of those disappointments. Amen. Amen. I think that a lot of us, we almost manipulate God because we want the new thing, but we want to drag the baggage of our past into the new season. And the reality is when you're sourcing from the hurt, from the pain, from the time you were taken advantage of, from the time you were used, from the time you were lied about, falsely accused. When you source from those things and you try to go into new seasons, you will sour the new season that God has for you because you'll be, you'll be living it out as though you're dealing with the circumstance from, from the past. And God wants to do a new thing. Say amen. I heard a story about John Wesley, and uh, he was an incredible revivalist, a preacher, and he led the second great awakening in our country. I'm looking forward to the third great awakening. It's, it's, and he led millions of people to Christ. Guys, he was actually the founder of two major uh, denominations, the Methodist movement and the Wesleyan denomination. Both of those went back to John Wesley, incredible man of God. In fact, I think in many ways he'd be appalled at how some of his movement has landed. But The idea is this, he was trying to get traction with this message of Jesus, and he's going to churches to preach Jesus, and it was not working. We actually have record of his diary from this season. I'm going to read just like a month or so out of that. Uh, Sunday morning, May 5th, preached at St. Anne's, asked not to come back anymore. Sunday afternoon, May 5th, preached at St. John's, the deacons said, get out and stay out. Uh, Sunday morning, May 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Uh, Sunday afternoon, May 12th, preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday morning, May 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's. He literally wrote that. Deacons called a special meeting and said that I could not return. They're deacon possessed, and I've worked at that church before. Sunday afternoon, May 19th, preached on the street. Kicked off the streets. Sunday morning, May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of a meadow as a bull was turned loose during one of my services. Now, y'all have treated me cold sometimes, but I've never, I can't claim that one. Okay, Sunday morning, uh, June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway, Sunday afternoon, June 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came to hear me preach. Now you think, how does that even work? Sometimes bad publicity is good publicity, but, but beyond all of that, I tell you what, if I got chased by a bull, I'd be on Fox News, CNN, Newsmax, everything tonight, so maybe a bull should cometh in Jesus' name. But anyway, <laughs> thank God he didn't quit. How easy would it be to, to, to take your ball and go home? I've known preachers that it just got a little bit hard and, and it wasn't as big as they thought it was going to be and the crowds weren't smiling at them like at their last gig and they just gave up. I remember one friend of mine, he, he, he called me up and he said, Pastor Joe, I'm closing down my church. He said, there's only 70 people in my church. I said, 70? That's a great start. Jesus had 12 people following him on the onset. Like You are, you are in full-on revival. You're just comparing it to the big old megachurch that you were at before. Be faithful to the 70." And he gave up that church. He didn't know that at that very same time, and for the next two years, my church hovered around 70 people. But I was faithful and diligent and watched God grow us in depth and in numbers. And and at the same time, this guy, and he's a good person, really is. He's back at a church, in a country church in Oklahoma, and he's preaching to about 70 people. And I said, listen to me, you're passing the test now. But it cost him what? About 10 years. 10 years altogether. Guys, don't discount what God is doing even though it's small, it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, even though the season might be disappointing, even though you're facing rejection. Some people say, "Well, I'm facing all these closed doors. Is that a sign from God that he wants me to stop?" Sometimes those closed doors are the best indicator of God's blessing on your life, and you've got to plow through every closed door the enemy's going to get. If all the enemy has to do is close a door in front of you and you stop because you think it's Jesus. That's a very easy way to paralyze the body of Christ. So amen somebody and so we need to let go stick with god and and here's what will happen you will grow in faith have you wondered why in some ways that maybe maybe you feel like you're called or you have an anointing or a gifting and you're not seeing that use have you let go of bitterness and anger and disappointment i promise you that if you do you will grow in your gifting you will grow in your anointing and you will see the goodness of god write this down Forgetting disappointments frees us up for destiny. You want that future thing. You want that that goal, that vision that God has given for you, your family. Maybe you have an idea of where you're trying to take this thing. If you don't let go of the disappointments, you're not going to be free. Get free from that past, and that'll free you up for destiny. Say amen. A second thing I want to share with you today is we need to let go of, write it down, past seasons. So, you need to let go of past disappointments, but sometimes disappointments, that's just an event that happens. I don't know if you've lived enough life to have a steady stream of what's going on, a steady stream of like, when's this gonna change over? When is the, I've, I've been hearing something about tipping point, I'm waiting for that. God, I'm going through a season. And you might even have, have left that season, you went into future things. But the the patina, the stigma that was put on you during that season, it puts your tail in between your legs and it makes you shy and cautious. And in the name of wisdom, you won't launch out in faith. In the name of of, of trying to be just, I'm just trying to think about this critically. I'm trying to figure this out. You try to figure God out and it holds you back. I heard a story uh, of the president of the United States in 1881, James Garfield. Uh, He was six months into his presidency and somebody shot him in the back, and, and, and he lived. It was an assassination attempt, and he lived. And it looked grim for a while. He was going down, but there came a point that he actually started to go on the mend. Now, at that time, uh, the, the experts of the day, uh, I have finally realized why they called it a medical practice. is because they're still practicing, still trying to figure it out. But these guys in practice, trying to take care of the president, they had this common belief in the day, you have to get the bullet out. If you don't get the bullet out, they're, they're a goner. It might look good for a seat, but the bullet's going to kill them. Well, we know now it's good to get the bullet out if you can, but sometimes it, it rests in a spot that if you took it out, might cause more damage. Well, they did an exploratory operation on the president, and they tried to find it. Found some shards but, but not the, the big lug, and so they, they closed them back up, and the president started to do worse, and they got desperate. They reached out to a popular scientist of the time. His name was Alexander Graham Bell, the telephone dude. And they said, hey, we want you to come up with something. So he came up with this device, and they did another exploratory surgery and opened him up again. And they're using this weird quack device on the president trying to get it out. And shortly after they closed him back up, the president died. Well, in doing the the autopsy, or better yet, maybe the archaeology of that event way later in our decades, They've said that the president didn't die from the bullets. The president died because they kept on opening him up to the old wound. And they opened him up to the old wound again and again and again. And what happened was infection got in, things that you can't see get in. That's what it is. When you relive that season and it's on autoplay in your mind, friend, when you relive it, you're opening up that wound and you actually open yourself up for far more than you're even realizing. You can't see it but it stunts your growth, it paralyzes your advance. That's what happens in our heart. And we might face rough seasons. I have faced rough seasons, and I've learned this. God has more, despite whatever it feels like. Can I hear an amen, church? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the famous chapter in the Bible, it says that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity Under the heavens. It says things like there's a time to be born and die, to plant, uproot. It says to mourn, dance, scatter, gather, things like that. It says keep and throw away. There's a time for war and a time for peace. And in verse 11, it says this He has made everything beautiful in its time. The season that you're going through, I'm not saying that God has destined you to be in a negative season, but negative seasons come into our life. Beyond all of that, God wants to make your life beautiful, and it's going to happen. You have to trust the process. It's going to happen in God's good time, and you will see his goodness, but you won't. You'll stunt the growth if you judge your future based on the past. When you source out of that, when you live out of it, when you think that everything is going to continue the same way that it always has, maybe even up to today, you might be in the season. Friend, you're going to sour what God wants to do because you're judging what he wants to do based on what you've experienced. That's not fair to God. That's not fair to you because he wants to do more. Say amen, somebody. Heard a story. It's found in 1 Samuel, but there was a Jewish woman. She was pregnant, great with child, actually, And some war games were breaking out, and her husband and her father-in-law were killed in battle. And she's getting ready to deliver this baby, and it was said just as her water broke, the Ark of the Covenant, which is where God's presence was in Israel, uh, it was stolen. It was taken into captivity. It was the central focal point of the nation, and it was stolen by pagans. And so they lost this great presence of God that was in the center of their nation, everybody. And so here's what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 4.21. She named her son Ichabod. Saying, the glory has departed because of the capture of the ark. What did she do? This woman is naming her future based on the past. And you can read her story in the rest of that book. It did sour her future. It did mess up where things were going. She named what, what God was trying to birth in her life based on past experiences, which, by the way, don't name your kid Ichabod. That's a lot, okay? That's just, but, but don't name your kid. Don't name the season you're going into based on seasons that you've had in the past. Name them on what God has called you to live out. Write this down. How you handle your current season will determine what God does in your next season. You could even put it this way, what you allow him to do in your next season, because he wants to do great things, but you can put a cap on the blessing of God with how you're handling the season that you're in, the season that you've come out of. Now, Moses in the Bible, I love old Moses because he was so direct so direct, which is kind of my spiritual gift. And, and so Moses is, is called of God. He's called to deliver the children of Israel. He's called to, to do these great things. And he's out in this desert land, and he's kind of wandering around. Well, his wife gets pregnant, and, and she's going to deliver a baby. This is what it says in Exodus 2.22. Scripture says that Moses' wife gave birth to a son. And Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner In a foreign land. Now, when you read that, number one, you just think, "What an awful name! These people just wanted their kids to get picked on." But beyond that, when it gives you the meaning, "I'm a foreigner in a foreign land," I don't get it, Pastor Joe. That, that even that sounds weird. Here's what he's doing: God's called Moses outside of himself. God's called Moses into a spot where he's experiencing, maybe not the most positive things. He knows that God has more for him in the future, but, but he's experiencing some, some meandering in a desert, some, some lack, some of, the, some of the loss of the blessing that he had before, but he's obeying God in all of it. Here's what Moses is doing. He's naming his future season in faith. He's in essence saying that poverty... Defeat, meandering desert seasons are not gonna be the thing that I'm a foreigner to that. This is foreign to me. I'm 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 in a foreign land. This is not where I'm gonna be setting up shop. God has more for me, and I'm gonna name my season in faith that what God has for me is better than the season that I'm currently in. Say amen, church. And so for some of us in the room, I want to be honest with this. In your life, if you'd be honest. Some of the bad has outweighed the good. And and you might have been a victim of abuse, uh, sexual abuse. You might have been taken advantage of. You might have been lied about. There might have been real drama in your life when you were a kid, physical abuse. You might have faced hardship or poverty in your adult life. If you'd look at your life, you don't have to fake it. You, You might say that the bad outweighs the good in many ways or at least in certain seasons. But if you think of it a different way, and if you if you could think of it like this, God's call, God's destiny for you, it outweighs your history every time that you weigh it against. If you, if you weigh what God has called you to, the future that he has for you, the blessing that he spoke over you, the promise that he wrote to you, if you weigh that against your history, friend, destiny wins 10 times out of 10, and that's how good our God is is can I hear an amen somebody Romans 8 28 we know that in all things God works for the good of those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose God doesn't bring these negative things in but listen he'll even leverage the negative things for the positive for your blessing because you're trekking with him and not sourcing out of the past wow he wants to leverage every season for his glory that is very deep That is very profound. And and, and the tip of the iceberg on that is you being willing to face past seasons and say, I'm not sourcing out of that junk anymore. I gotta move on. So we need to let go of disappointments, let go of past seasons. The third thing I wanna tell you today is we need to let God bring restoration into our life. We need to let God do that. There's areas of all of our hearts, all of our lives that need to be restored. To what? To when you were a kid? No, no, no. Restored to what God's design is. Restored to a spot of freedom and peace beyond even just peace you might have experienced before the pain. Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. God says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. And then he says this, do you not perceive it? Can't you see? Like, in other words, I've already started this. The, the process is already at play. Can't you sense that something is there? The impetus to jump onto this is there. I'm making a way in the wilderness, in streams in the wasteland. Guys, God has already begun this work. Letting go and, and then letting God bring restoration. Boy, that's a, that's a patience game makes me think about Joseph in the Bible. If you don't know that story, I would encourage you to read it. It starts in Genesis 37. I'll give you some excerpts from it. But Joseph was this guy that was a follower of God. He was was a kid, and and he had several brothers. God gave him a dream that he would be in a position of authority, that he would be in a position of leadership, so much so that even his family would yield to him. His dad favored Joseph. He was the youngest kid, and it was a little bit out of order compared to the cultural uh, way of the day where you'd have your firstborn son really as a showcase. The lastborn, Joseph, the youngest, he was given this coat. This Maybe you know it's a coat of many colors, yeah, and and, and it was given to him as a gift, just showing the favor that Joseph's dad had on Joseph's life. But this is what it says in Genesis 37.5. Joseph had a dream, and he told his brothers, but they hated him. Verse 23, when Joseph reached his brothers, they stripped him of his coat, the the outward sign, right? The distinctive multicolored coat. They sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. This really happened. They they gave their brother up into slavery. They lied to their dad, said that he was killed. And, and, And this is disappointing. The Bible's very clear about it. This was not a happy thing for Joseph It was a disappointment. Here's what I want to say. And listen to me. I'm a faith guy. In your walk with God, in in your existence here on earth, you will face disappointments. It will happen. How you manage those, how you relate to God in those seasons, that's the biggest thing about them. But disappointments are going to come. doesn't mean they're from God. But you need to accept that truth. Don't let it stop you. Don't let it stop how you give, how you serve, how you love. Don't let it stop you from living your life. Some people have put their life on hold because of a, because of a hardship, a disappointment. It will happen. Verse 4. Joseph found favor in the eyes of Potiphar. Potiphar was the owner of this house. He was sold into slavery, and, and Potiphar became this, this, uh, a slave owner. And he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of everything that Potiphar owned. So, Potiphar's this rich dude. He has this very uh, sophisticated system at his house. Think of like a, a plantation where a lot of things are happening. Like, we're making our own food, we're making our own energy, like, a lot of things are happening. And, and what Potiphar found was that Joseph was so slick, he was so conscientious about what he was doing, clearly a gifted leader, that he was put in charge of everything. And this wouldn't have been a natural position for a slave. You'd have a hired person be over the rest of the slaves. No, Joseph was over the rest of the slaves. Now, verse 12, this is where I don't know how some people can preach and make the Bible so boring. The Bible's very funny, and the Bible's very interesting, because this is the first cougar recorded in history. The <laughs> Bible says that Potiphar's wife, she caught him by his coat, now, pause for a second. Everybody look at me. She's, Joseph is there. She's trying to sleep with Joseph, and she catches him by his coat. Well, wait a second. I thought his coat was, was stolen. He has a new coat, a new coat, new season. It, it's kind of that outward sign that God's given me a second chance, that there's something more than just today, right? She seizes him by the coat saying, lie with me, you." But he ran out of the house, leaving the coat in her hand, buck naked, it would say in the Hebrew. Verse 17, She told her husband that the Hebrew servant who you brought to us, he came to lie with me. And so Joseph's master put him in prison. See this. Joseph's dad gives him the coat which is really an outward sign of God's blessing, even though we've had some internal dreams happening. He's sold into slavery, and God raises him up, up apparently has a new coat denoting that he's favored, that he's in charge, that he's not wearing just, just you know, tattered clothes, that he is somebody. It represents his second chance. And that's stolen from him in a false accusation. That's where he's at in this moment. And what you'll read in this passage is over and over, Joseph has to let it go. He has to let go of what happened to him and realize who he is, no matter where he's placed. This is what it says in verse 22. He's put in prison, right? Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The Lord made Joseph prosper. Well, you really wouldn't think that, would you? Sometimes we find ourselves in down seasons and you'll see a little promotion and you're like, God, so what? I got a promotion at Sam's Club. Like, God, I, I, I have this vision of future things and being a leader, but you gave me a promotion at the gas station. God, I'm pushing carts at plums and, and, and you gave me a promotion. Whoop de doo I got a 35-cent raise because I'm a card-carrying member of my team. But what God sees is who you're becoming. What God will do is acknowledge who you're becoming in that season. God will give you little indicators along the way that even though you haven't arrived at everything he has called you to, he still has a favor. And prosperity starts on the inside before it's ever shown on the outside. You will prosper in your soul. You will prosper as a person before it will ever be expressed on the outside. And everything with God starts small. It starts as a seed, as a moment. And if you look over that, if you dismiss that, you will miss the great thing that God is trying to work in small insignificant seasons wow so rich so rich with truth so I would say this the Bible says that the Lord made Joseph prosper if you're not prospering ask God God have I searched me right like have I not let go of some bitterness Some anger? Is there something latent in my heart that's holding me back? Am I holding back serving you with my whole heart because I think that something's not fair, it shouldn't be this way, or I've got my own idea about how things should work? The Lord will prosper you, and he wants to. i got to move on. So Pharaoh had a dream. This narrative of of Joseph is is chock full of it. Pharaoh is in Egypt. This is where the prison is. This is where Joseph is uh, residing. He is in Egypt at the time in a prison. And the leader, the Pharaoh of, of Egypt, has this dream. I can't explain it all, but through a long series of events, Joseph is the person who gets put in a position to interpret the dream for the king, for the Pharaoh of Egypt. And I want you to ask yourself for a question. Do you think for one second if, if Joseph had bitterness and anger and resentment in his heart that God could have even used him in such a spot of prominence? Well, of course not. He was free. And so he goes in front of the Pharaoh of Egypt and he interprets the dream, ultimately showing how to save Egypt from a famine that's coming. And this is what it says in Genesis 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph... I hereby put you in charge of the whole land. And then Pharaoh dressed him in a royal robe. Maybe you've never seen it before. This is the third coat that is put on Joseph's back. See, sometimes we, we see the favor of God, and then we see the disappointment, or we get the second chance, but when the second chance doesn't work out, sometimes we write off the rest of our lives, but our God is not the God of the second chance. He's the God of the brand new beginning, and he's trying to do a new thing in your life. Say amen, somebody. That's what God's trying to work out. And so this royal robe is put on him. That's what the ultimate aim is. That's what the dream was pointing towards that Joseph had when he was a boy. And so... If you're lost in life, if you trust God, if you let go of past seasons, past disappointments, if you trust God and stay faithful to him, if you become who he's called you to be, wherever that has landed you in life, he will raise you up and God's heart is to put that royal robe on your back and put you in that spot of prominence to show his glory to the world. Say amen. God knew the loss and the disappointment and the attack were coming for Joseph before he ever called him. Now think about you. You faced hardship. You faced disappointment or or things coming against you or false accusation even. When God called you, he knew you were going to face all of those things. He knew that you were going to have to go through them, but he still called you. And so when you face these disappointments or the opposition from people or the enemy himself, you have to look at it a different way. If you know that you're called of God, when you face those things, those things have to become a great indicator that you're going to be able to go through them, that you can overcome, that on the other end of all of this, God will use it all for his glory. Look at things differently. Look at them with the eyes of faith and God can take you places you never imagined. Write it down. Every disappointment is an indicator of future faithfulness that you can experience from God. It points to it. It doesn't mean you have to be happy that you're facing something awful, but it can mean this. I know that my God lives. And whatever I'm going through, I am going through it. As the country song once said, if you're going through hell, don't stop going. In Jesus' name. Can I I hear an amen to chapel? That's true. Now, when the whole epic of Joseph's narrative was finished, Joseph was blessed. He got married and he had some kids. And This is what it says, Genesis 41. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, which in Hebrew means to forget. In the second son, he named Ephraim. Church, this is very profound. You will never give birth to an ephraim in your life until you first give birth to a manasseh what am i saying you're not going to see that that blessing that double prosperity realized in your life until you forget until you say it's not that i can't recall what happened but i'm making the decision consciously to forget those things it's not that he couldn't recall. Joseph Joseph knew what had happened, but that windshield, that, that forward thing that God had for him, the blessing that he was going to live in the future, was so great, it made it so his mind was occupied with what God had for him versus what he had been through. That is the new thing that God wants to do in your heart. And so if you want whatever, double prosperity, how about this, call it Stability. Call it hope. If you want that birthed in your life, friend, let it go. Forget about the pain. Let go of the disappointment. This is prophetic, and I felt this strongly this week. Some of you have sourced out of past seasons so much and so strongly. The hurt, the lit down that you've experienced. You can't even imagine a world where it's not on your mind regularly, if not every day. But if you trek with God, and this is prophetic, there will come a time in your walk with him where you won't even remember it anymore. Pastor will pass you, oh, you're just you're just trying to hype us up. I have scripture for it. Isaiah 54, and this was shown in my life, for you will forget the shame of your youth. It's a promise of God. That thing that you did, that someone else did, you don't have to source out of that. God has made you new. Don't you perceive it? He's trying to do that new thing. Sink into that today. And so the question is this, how are you doing? The past two years, has it made you timid? Has it made you gun-shy? Maybe as I give a message like this, you're like, last two years, whatever, whatever. My life was wild or rough or hurting before any of that. Friend, God has more. God has more. And here's what I know. When we let go of past disappointments, and we trust God to let go of past seasons. We can move into the future with hope in our heart. We can trust that God will bring restoration into our walk with him. Jeremiah 29:11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. That's what our God has, and he wants to work it out. Let's be a church that marches boldly into the future. Can I hear it? amen? Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I pray for my church. As we give a message like this, it, it makes some things surface in our hearts. Some things that we'd rather forget that pop up and they sometimes catch us off guard at seasons where we wouldn't like them to. God, I pray that as people are remembering, or maybe it's ever before them, God, these, these, these disappointments and these past seasons that hurt and hollow us out, God, I pray that you give us the ability to let them go by faith. Maybe it's been abuse. Maybe it's been a time of false accusation being taken advantage of. God, maybe it's a partner that said that they were gonna be there. That you can trust me, and they turn their back. God, I pray for healing in this room right now. God, I pray that they would receive it by faith, that I'm sure those memories will knock at the door of their heart, but God, by faith, we're gonna let you restore We're going to look into the future and everything that you have. God, I pray that you heal hearts and minds. Bring restoration. You said in your word that you'll restore our souls. So God, I pray for restoration in Jesus' name. God, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, but they hear about your love, help me to find them. Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for another minute. If you came in here and you thought it was going to be a soft message and you're kind of like, Pastor Joe, take the knife out of my back. That was a lot. But you heard a message about God's love and his faithfulness and how he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants to take you to a spot of stability and love and security. But you don't You'd say to yourself, if you're honest, I don't have a relationship with God. Whatever that means, I'm not right with God. Friend, if that's you, I want to help you. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That means heaven and avoiding hell. But it means eternal life starting in your heart today. It means the peace and joy that you're looking for can begin on the other end of saying amen. Making Jesus Lord is just you saying that you're done being the God over your life and you're ready to make him Lord, boss. Make him the God. So if that's you and you want to make that decision, we're going to pray in church. Pray this prayer with those people. Pray it is a declaration of your faith. Pray it knowing that God has more for them and more for you. Pray this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ in the room. Praise God. Listen, if you did accept Christ, let somebody know about it. Fill out that connection card. God has great things for you. We want to send you a note in the mail talking about those things. Maybe you rededicated your life to Christ. Let us know about it on that connection card that we mentioned earlier. And God has those great things, the least of which is to fill out that card and let us know about it. One more time, church. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. Hey, stand up on your feet, gang. Last week, we saw over 15 people baptized inside a lake. That was amazing. So many stories of life change. And people at the last minute that wanted to be baptized, including our host that day, that was absolutely a ride. If you missed that, you missed half your life. Go on the Facebook, and you can trek with all of that. A couple of quick announcements before I get you on to the rest of your weekend. Uh, Operation Christmas Child, we had a goal of 50 boxes Last week, I am happy to say, church, all 50 went out last week. Give yourself a hand for that great job. And so we beat our goal. But if you've been around New Chapel for any amount of time, who cares? Let's set another goal. So we put another 50 boxes out there in the Cafe Commons area grab one it is not an expensive thing for you to do we'll probably be collecting those things in september and october it's something that's within our reach let's blow away our second goal and see what god can do in the lives of children through missions efforts all around the world Uh, chapel ridge is having an open house on august 16th that's a tuesday mark your calendars for that maybe like you've been coming to the church for a while and you're like what are they doing back there You might not have any kids. Just come for the open house just to see what the world are we doing with this outreach to the community. And if you do know families that have little kids or you do have little kids in your life, bring them out to Chapel Ridge for that open house. And we are in open enrollment right now. There are limited spots available. Make sure to sign up as soon as you can. Uh, There is new merchandise. I've been talking about that for the last several weeks. I'm going to breeze over that. Ladies, Bunko Night, that is coming up. On the 27th, and so that is a Saturday. Sign up over at Guest Services if you are a lady. Uh, We had an awesome golf outing yesterday. They put me on a group chat. I've never been held hostage before, but I have been part of a group chat. And so... (laughs) While I was rating my message, I I turned off all the alerts on it, and I forgot to go to the Cotton Picking event, but I heard that it was incredible, an incredible show. If you were a part of that, much more in the future. We want to have more of those golf events, and there will be someday you get me on that field in Jesus' name, the golf field course. Court? Course. See you there. And so... One other thing that I want to say is that we're having a meeting that's going to be talking about our student ministry that we're going to be launching in very short order. Now, New Chapel's going to be ministering to middle school and high school students. They're going to have an evangelical service once a month, open our doors, have a riot, a very evangelical service. Uh, go ahead and throw that slide up there, guys, that youth slide. That particular service is going to be a great outreach to the community, and then we're going to do youth small groups during those other weeks. It's going to be pretty cool. But we're having this informational meeting coming up for this reason. I need youth leaders to be a part of everything that we're doing in this. And so if you are a person that's ever thought about serving on a youth team, maybe you've done that in a a past church or season of your life. I would encourage you, jump on uh, all hands on deck. I need your help with this as we launch the student ministry, and it's coming up the second Wednesday in September. That's going to be our first service to the community, and it's going to be our beta test with all of that, and then October we'll be having a a huge outreach to the community, trying to open our doors to everybody we possibly can. And so that is coming up right around the corner. That's on August 16th uh, for all youth leaders. That's at 6.30 here at the church. I don't think they can find that slide. No. We'll get it for next service. And so August 16th, write that down. If you want to be on that youth team, we could use you. I think that's going to be a great service. And, and how awesome to be able to offer a student and youth ministry to our community. Is anybody excited about that? Y'all look at me like that. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Guys, I love you so much. You are welcome, if you're a car dude, to come up on the platform. I'll hang up here. Uh, if you need prayer in your spirit, soul, or body, we'll have people at the front that can agree with you on the word of God. I love you so much. Bring somebody next week. This series is just getting started. Would you lift your hands for the blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The, the, The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And as you go, have a great weekend, guys. We love you.